Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network. Featuring Tales to Terrify and Starship Sofa. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Far-Fetched Fables. Welcome to show number 145... I'm your host, Nicholas Eaton Clark, and this week we bring you the fractured fairy tale Languid in Rose by Francis Silversmith, originally featured in the anthology Fantasy for Good, alongside stories by the likes of such giants as George R. R. Martin, Neil Gaiman, Michael Moorcock, Alan Dean Foster, and Piers Anthony. Francis writes computer software for a living and science fiction and fantasy stories for fun. She lives in a small town in Germany with her husband, six guinea pigs and two Icelandic horses. Please visit her website via the link in our show notes. Her tale is read for us by Diana Sanchez, a voiceover talent and actress who has performed professionally for 14 years. She has voiced various commercials, industrials and characters and specialises in the sexy voice of powerful female roles. An avid fan of science fiction since her grandfather gave her a copy of Heinlein's Tunnel in the Sky when she was nine, Diana also consults in geographical information systems and develops custom mapping applications for real estate and other industries. Three-dimensional visualization of spatial data is one of her favorite pastimes. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Languid in Rose by Francis Silversmith. <laughs> Lilia I, Queen of Roses, reluctantly opened her eyes to yet another perfect day, courtesy of the enchantment. The briar rose outside her windows threw moving shadows on the salmon-colored material curtains of her four-poster bed. What a disgustingly lovely sight. Lilia forced her heavy limbs to a sitting position. Instantly, her maid appeared with a cup of hot chocolate, as she did every morning. When she was younger, Lilia had often tried to trick the enchantment, getting up in the middle of the night or staying prone in bed until long past her usual hour. To no avail, the maid always appeared on time. 
Lilia sipped the cocoa, wishing that she could decline the too-sweet drink. But Queen Rose I, Lilia's great-great-grandmother and the great benefactress of the kingdom, had decreed that the queen should have a cup of hot chocolate upon awaking. And so the queen did. Queen Rose I had made a great sacrifice a hundred years ago, when she cast the enchantment to protect the kingdom and give its citizens peace and prosperity. Disobeying the great benefactress' commands could not be risked, because nobody alive knew which of these commands were vital for the protective spell's stability. After Lilia had forced down the last of the cocoa, her maid helped her into a silk gown of pale rose. Thus dressed, Lilia descended to the fuchsia parlor, which was decorated true to its name. The great benefactress had loved all shades of pink. Lilia's aunt and uncle waited for her in the parlor. Old Warter passed away last night. Uncle Egan said as the servants put overfull dishes of food in front of Lilia. He was the one to put you on your first pony, wasn't he? I thought you might like to know. Lilia's eyes filled with tears. Wartier had always had time for a lonely princess, told her stories over his tack-cleaning chores. She had not been down to the stables to visit him in too long, and now he was dead. But he wasn't that old, was he? He was healthy and still able to work. I thought he had many years left. His knees were starting to act up lately, and he often nodded off over his chores. So I suppose it was his time. The enchantment gave him a peaceful end. He never woke from his sleep. But Aunt Brionia interrupted her. People die when they grow too old to work anymore. You know that, child. Lilia sighed inwardly. Aunt Brionia had reared Lilia from birth and would probably always treat her as a child. Lilia kept her voice carefully even. So you taught me, Aunt. But Grandmother abdicated because she couldn't even stay awake through a court day anymore, and she lived on for years afterwards. The royal family is different. You know that too, Lilia. Now please, stop being difficult and eat your breakfast. There was no point in trying to argue. Lilia knew that from experience. Lilia's grandmother had made her daughter-in-law Brionia Lilia's guardian. Aunt Brionia was also the one grandmother had told the secret of the enchantment to, would the behest to pass it on to Lilia when she turned five and twenty. Lilia had another five years to get through, five long years of choosing her battles carefully and being meek and obedient at all other times. So she swallowed her tears and dug into her sumptuous breakfast. It tasted like ashes. Today was an open court day. Lilia sat erect on her throne and tried to concentrate on the problems her rose-clad subjects brought to her attention. Not that there were usually many important matters to deal with. The enchantment took care of that. On a normal day, only a few people attended open court, bringing her minor squabbles to judge. Today was different. 
A stray wolf had made its way to a village in the outer reaches of her kingdom and had killed three sheep in the last two weeks. A farmer in the same village had broken a leg in a fall from a ladder, and a freak storm had destroyed several grain fields, again not far from that village. The enchantment's been severely weakened in our region, Your Majesty, said the mayor of the unlucky village. He brought several of the village's elders along, as well as three sturdy-looking fellows who kept close watch over a frail youth. We've caught the culprit, though. Bring him forward. Two sturdy men grabbed the youth by the arms and yanked him toward the throne. Your Majesty, this is Peter. He's always been a good-for-nothing dreamer, but lately he's turned to evil. Just look at this. The third sturdy fellow brought forward a flat object covered with a blanket. He pulled the blanket away to reveal a painting. A scandalized gasp ran through the court, and several people turned their eyes away from the abomination. Mesmerized, Lilia stared. The painting showed her castle, bathed in purple light, with a raging storm sending lightning from the sky all about it. The picture blazed in vivid colors, making Lilia's heart sing. The piece was wild, dark, and threatening. Judging by every standard she had ever been taught, it was evil. It was also marvelously, heartbreakingly beautiful. Behind her, Uncle Eakin cleared his throat. Lilia tore her eyes away from the masterpiece and faced its doomed maker. Did you create this painting? He gave her a defiant look. Yes. Do you have anything to say in your own defense? She asked for formality's sake. There was nothing he could say that would save him now. Peter squared his shoulders and met her gaze, but said nothing. Lilia hesitated. Maybe she could exile him from the kingdom? She'd gotten away with that solution twice in the three years since she had nominally taken over the rule of the kingdom. But this time, Aunt Brionia intervened before she could voice her decree. Lilia, your majesty, there can be no question as to the judgment you need to make. This abomination and its creator need to burn to protect the enchantment and the kingdom. Most of the courtiers nodded, and a murmur of abomination and burn him ran through the court. Lilia took a deep breath and yielded to the inevitable. So be it. This is my judgment. You have succumbed to the dark and created a work of evil that might spread your darkness to others thereby endangering the enchantment and treating with contempt the great sacrifice Queen Rose I made to create it. You have the rest of this day and the night to contemplate your sins. Tomorrow at dawn, you will burn at the stake, along with your evil painting. Peter did not react. He stared at her with such blazing contempt she had to look away but there was nothing she could do. Such a blatant attack on the enchantment was unpardonable, 
especially in the light of the recent disturbances. Several hours later, Lilia was finally back in her chambers. She sent the maid away, pleading a headache. For a moment, she leaned back against the closed door, fighting tears. This morning had been too much like that fateful day three years ago, when she had condemned the love of her life to burn at the stake. Oh, Theron. She squared her shoulders and pushed away from the door. Slipping out of her gown, she dug deep in the back of her wardrobe and came up with a set of clothing that nobody knew she possessed, a frayed shirt and a pair of linen trousers. She must find a way to replace these clothes soon, she thought as she slipped them on. They were growing so ragged they might call attention to her. She paused for a moment to recall the first time she had put these clothes on, to go on an adventure with their former owner. Theron had always been there for her when she needed a break from being the kingdom's well-behaved heir. Smiling wistfully, Lilia opened her bedroom shutters and climbed into the enchanted briar rose, which adorned the castle walls. The plant was part of Queen Rose's protective spell, made indestructible by the enchantment. Its branches easily held up under her weight. As a member of the royal family, Lilia was somewhat protected from the briar rose's wicked thorns, but by the time she reached her destination two stories down, her arms and legs were bleeding, and her clothes had acquired several more tears. She slipped through a window into an empty storeroom, which held one of the more mysterious aspects of the enchantment. No servant ever came here, and Lilia was the only person in the kingdom who knew about the trap door in the corner of the room. Even Theron had been unable to see it unless Lilia held his hand. Wondering once again why the great benefactress had needed a secret entrance into the dungeons, Lilia opened the door, slipped in, and silently closed it behind her. They had added a third guard. The men kept a close watch on the exit, unlike the last time she'd been down to the dungeons. Fortunately, they still had no inkling of the secret passage, which ended in a small chamber at the back of the dungeon. They were all in the guardroom next to the exit. Next time, she might not be so lucky. Staying out of the guard's sight, she slipped into the corridor and went over to the one occupied cell. The prisoner came to his feet and opened his mouth as if to say something, but at her frantic wave for silence, he closed it again. Keeping a wary eye on the guardroom, Lilia slipped a hairpin into the cell door's lock. It took an eternity, but finally the lock sprang open. She beckoned for Peter to follow her. He frowned but obeyed in silence, thank the enchantment. Once they were safely back in the storeroom, he demanded, Who the chance are you, and what do you want from me? Lilia turned to him and removed the piece of cloth she had used to hide her distinctive golden curls. Queen Lilia? What the... He stopped himself in time to avoid a second expletive. We don't have time for explanations, she said. 
but he was not content with that. "'What do you want from me?' he repeated, crossing his arms. "'I want to save your life,' Lilia snapped. "'There is no time to lose. "'The guards might raise the alarm any moment. "'Do you want to escape or not?' "'What's your price for my freedom? "'And what about my painting? "'You're not going to burn it, are you?' "'There is no price. "'And yes, your painting will be burned in the morning. "'I can't prevent that.' "'She frowned at him. "'Please don't make a fuss that would cost your life "'and my freedom to ever help anyone else ever again "'over a painting, magnificent as it may be.' "'He did not look convinced, so... Lilia put on her best imitation of Aunt Brionia. Please stop arguing now. You need to climb out this window. The briar rose will bear your weight, but beware its thorns. They have a will of their own. She had once seen the remains of a man who had attempted to climb the trellis without royal blessing. It had not been pretty. She walked over to Peter and put her lips to his forehead before he could flinch back. This will protect you from the worst of it, but the rose will still do its best to scratch you bloody. There is no other safe way out, though. Climb straight down and swim the moat to the other side. There's a little hut where you can hide for the day. Nobody goes there any longer. He touched his hand to the spot where she had kissed and frowned at her. She could see his stubborn distrust fight with dawning curiosity. Curiosity one. How do you know all this? I've been down that route before, many times. She smiled at the memories that thought evoked. The smile seemed to be infectious. Peter returned it. I would like to know the story behind that statement. Maybe I'll paint the scene one day. The queen climbing the briar rose. Lilia had to grin at that. You do that, as long as you do it outside the kingdom's borders. Now, please leave before the guards catch us in here. Peter hesitated for a moment longer, but then he bowed to her. Thank you, my queen, he said, and was gone. Lilia made her way up to her chambers, again paying a tribute in blood to the briar rose. Once there... She busied herself washing out her cuts and hiding all other evidence of her excursion. Thank the enchantment that long sleeves and gloves were all the rage at court this season. There was a tremendous outcry over the prisoner's escape. Rumors sprang up in droves, some telling of evil sorcerers having spirited the delinquent away, others attributing witch powers to Peter himself. Still others told of a conspiracy inside the castle, bent on destroying the enchantment and sending the kingdom into chaos. Tidings of little accidents, minor storms, and other disturbing incidents trickled in. The enchantment seemed to be weakening, might even be on the brink of breaking. Lilia sat in the fuchsia parlor, picking at her breakfast while her aunt and uncle discussed the disturbing news. Is the enchantment really breaking? Would that be such a bad thing? 
She was startled out of her thoughts when the door flew open with a crash and a pair of castle guards rushed into the room. There is an intruder in the castle! The guard sounded breathless, and his face was the color of a well-ripened tomato. The other guard didn't look much better. What? Uncle Egan exclaimed. No intruder can make it past the briar rose. The enchantment has always prevented such a thing. I know, my lord, but somehow an evil sorcerer has made it past our protections. We must keep the queen safe at all costs. The guard walked up to Lilia and urged her to her feet. Come, your majesty, we will take you to your chambers. Nothing must happen to you. Not for the first time, Lilia secretly cursed her ancestress for tying the enchantment and with it the kingdom's fate so closely to the queen's life. The guards marched her up the stairs to her room and urged her to lock the door. One of the men stood guard outside. Once she was alone, excitement surged. She was going to find out who the mysterious intruder was. She felt more connected to life than she had in months. For the second time this week, Lilia changed into her old trousers and climbed down the briar rose to the storeroom. She changed back into the gown she had carried in a bag on her back and made her way through empty corridors to the throne room. Where was everyone? Just a few minutes ago, the place had teemed with guards, and now there was nobody in sight. The answer to that question became clear when she entered the throne room, where she found her courtiers and guards assembled. All stared spellbound at a figure clad entirely in stark, uncompromising white. What an unthinkable breach of etiquette in her rose-colored kingdom! Lilia stopped in the doorway and joined her courtiers in staring at the intruder. He turned his head to look at her, and her heart did a somersault. For a moment, her surroundings faded, swallowed in the warm glow of his dark brown eyes. Was there a twinkle in those eyes? She couldn't tell. Beren! What? Why? How did you get into the castle? Now the courtiers stared at her instead of the intruder. My queen. He made her an elaborate bow. It seems the kiss you gave me three years ago still has some effect. Her gaze rose to the spot on his forehead that she had kissed that day, the first and only kiss she had ever given him. He smiled. Lilia, do you know this man? Aunt Brionia asked. Her voice sounded weak, as if she was forcing the words out against an obstruction in her throat. Yes, aunt, this is Theron. He was condemned to death three years ago for composing a maleficent song for my birthday. He escaped from the dungeons the night before the burning was scheduled. Now there definitely was a twinkle in Theron's eyes, a mischievous one curse the man. He was going to betray just who it had been who had helped him escape. What did you do to my court? she asked hastily. She had thought at first that her people were just stiff with surprise, but they were all still frozen in place after several minutes, silent and unmoving save for their heads. 
That evil sorcerer put a curse on us, her aunt said. Don't stand there and make chit-chat with the villain, Lilia. Brionia's face was red with the effort of speaking. Even so, her voice barely rose above a whisper. Theron spoke over Aunt Brionia's protest. I took temporary control of the spell your ancestress put on the kingdom. I condensed that spell in the castle and used it to paralyze your people. What are you talking about? The only spell any ancestress of mine put on the kingdom is the enchantment of eternal peace. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The enchantment, as you call it, is a diffused curse of stagnation, blood magic at its worst. Blood magic? Don't be ridiculous. Queen Rose sacrificed her great love to power the enchantment. She was no blood magician. Theron grimaced. Queen Rose didn't sacrifice her love. She sacrificed her lover, got herself pregnant by him, and then killed him in a ritual to bind the curse to the unborn child, your great-grandmother Rose II. Lilia swallowed against the sudden tightness in her throat. That can't be true. Just look at what the curse has done to your kingdom. You have no art to speak of, and there haven't been any technical inventions in a hundred years. Lilia, you burn people who dare to think for themselves. There hasn't been a burning in years, her protest sounded feeble in her own ears. I know, Theron replied, face sardonic. Your aunt was not exactly happy with you for that, was she? Aunt Brionia made a strangled sound, but Theron ignored her. In fact, that lack of burnings is one of the reasons the spell is weakened enough for me to make my way here. The curse feeds on the old and feeble, of course, but that is not enough to keep it strong without the burnings. No, please, no. Are you telling me the enchantment kills people? He lifted his brows at her. That's how the kingdom pays for the extraordinary amount of good fortune its people have had, not to mention the little luxuries Queen Rose built into the castle. Lilia blinked furiously. She did not have time for tears. What can I do to stop that? Lilia! Aunt Brionia managed to take a single step towards them. You cannot mean to let that person trick you into destroying the kingdom's protections. But, Aunt, what if it's true that the enchantment kills people? Of course that's true, silly girl. The old and decrepit would only be a burden on the rest of us. Who'd want to live like that? The enchantment does these people a favor, giving them a peaceful death before they become useless parasites. Lilia stared at her aunt, speechless. So did the rest of her court, including her uncle, she noted. At least she hadn't been the only one who was naive enough not to have known. Turning back to Theron, Lilia repeated, What can I do to keep the enchantment from killing people? As long as the spell remains in place, there's nothing you can do. 
you need to break it. That means your kingdom will lose its unnatural good fortune. Your people will once again have to deal with the vagaries of life. There'd be storms and sickness and other calamities large and small, calamities her people had never known. Nelia closed her eyes and took a deep breath. Looking up at Theron, she said, Tell me how to break it. Theron studied her. Are you sure you want to break the enchantment? Lilia met his eyes and nodded. He walked up, folded her into his arms, and kissed her. For a moment, she was too startled to react, but the kiss felt right, just as if he had never left her. She wrapped her arms around him and kissed him back. Lightning flashed outside the windows, followed instantly by a deafening thunderclap. Lilia took a step back. What was that? Did we just break the enchantment? Was that why you kissed me? A kiss was the fastest way to break the enchantment. The mischievous smile was back, laced with tenderness. Besides, I've dreamed of kissing you for the last three years. Warmth suffused her. She, too, had dreamed of kissing him. She walked back into his arms. Behind her, murmurs rose as the paralysis fell away from her courtiers. Guards! Her aunt's voice had regained its strength. Arrest this intruder! Lilia sighed and turned to face Brionia. Aunt! Your Majesty, this man obviously is a black sorcerer. He has enchanted you. Step away from him, please. Waving for two guards to follow her, Aunt Brionia strode towards them. Lilia shrank back, then caught herself. The enchantment was gone. That much was obvious from the storm that raged outside, the first one to touch the castle in a hundred years. For the first time in her life, Lilia was free to oppose her aunt without fear of the consequences. She took a step forward and raised her hand. No, she said. Her aunt stopped to stare at her, as did the guards. A panicked cry interrupted the tense scenario. My queen, the castle is on fire. Lilia looked up to see flames licking at the window frames. Now that she was paying attention, she caught a whiff of rose-scented smoke. Running over to a window, Lilia saw that the briar rose was burning, flames blazing brightly against a gloomy sky. She took a deep breath and turned to face the room. I declare emergency rule, she said. Rose the First had decreed that in an emergency the Queen would have absolute control over the court for two weeks, no questions asked. The courtiers all snapped to attention. Thankfully, nobody seemed to realize that the author of that rule had just been exposed as a black sorceress and a fraud. She must not give them time to think. Uncle Egan, please organize the courtiers into groups and have them find out what damage the breaking of the spell did to the castle. Guards, Lady Brionia is under house arrest. Please escort her to one of the guest chambers and place her under guard. 
she turned to face the majordomo, who looked back and forth between her and the flames outside the windows, hands ringing. Rovo, please have the servants form bucket lines to the windows and douse the walls so they do not catch fire. Theron, please follow me. She turned and walked out of the room, Theron at her heels. They checked the windows on every side of the castle and found that the fire encircled the walls completely, though it did not touch them. Only the briar rose burned. It took all day for the flames to die down. Theron stayed at her side, placating upset courtiers, talking to distraught servants, and helping in other small but significant ways. Whenever there was a brief spell of calm in the chaos, he told Lilia about the wonders of the world outside the kingdom's borders. By the time she made it to her bed, Lilia was exhausted. Even so, sleep was a long time in coming. Lilia woke in her four-poster bed and stared up at a faded and lusterless canopy. No leafy shadows played on the bed curtains. The air reeked of smoke. She walked over to her window and looked out at a gray, cloudy sky. Rain fell, the raindrops creating little rivulets down the soot-stained wall. The briar rose was gone, burned down to the roots. Turning away from the window, Lilia pulled the string that would ring the servant's bell in the kitchen. A few minutes later, her maid appeared, out of breath and looking dismayed to find her queen already out of bed. The usual cup of hot chocolate was conspicuously absent. Half an hour later, Lilia stepped into the fuchsia parlor, clad in a threadbare dress. The formerly splendid parlor looked run down and faded as well. Her uncle waited for her, without his wife, his face drawn and unhappy. Lilia's throat constricted. What was she going to do about Aunt Brionia? And she had destroyed the protections her people had come to depend on. For a moment, she almost wished yesterday's events undone. But then she remembered old Wartier, who might still be alive but for the enchantment. Her resolve returned. She would find a way to steer her kingdom through the troubled times to come. A second person waited in the parlor. He rose from his seat, smiling at her. Lilia walked into Theron's open arms and hugged him. He kissed the top of her head. When they let go of each other, Lilia caught her uncle watching them. A small smile lit his careworn face. Thank you for joining us once again, dear listeners. We count on your support to make this show possible each week, so please do leave reviews for us on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcatcher that you use so that we can build our listenership. We are now a paying market for authors, and we'd like to extend the love to our hard-working narrators as well. Please consider making a one-time or recurring donation to the District of Wonders via our Patreon page so that we can keep the podcast up and running. 
Every little bit helps. My thanks as always go to Gary Dowell, my editor, and Mark Zenfardino, our audio engineer. Please remember that Farfetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License, which means you can download the content and share it all you like, but don't change it, sell it, or transcribe it, and be sure to give credit where credit is due. All other copyright remains that of the authors. Violators will have a most unfortunate enchantment placed upon them. That's all for me from now, dear listeners. I'll see you all next week. Bye now. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, ninety-six percent replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a thirty-night guarantee. Plus, get fifteen percent off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns.